0: This week I'm joined by a very special guest. It's Eric Countryman. He is the district manager in the East Pittsburgh office for the Davy Tree Expert Company. And he was the very first guest on the Talking Trees podcast way back in two thousand twenty one. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi, Doug. Good to good to talk to you again. Well, I don't know if you can hear, but I'm getting over a cold, so you do most of the talking, okay?
1: <laughs> no no problem. I, I think I've had to do, go uh, through a cold with you
0: doing one of these before in the past, too. So, <laughs> You know, it made me think. Everybody I interview, just about everybody for the Talking Trees Podcast says, I love my job because I get to work outside. And I was wondering, being the self-absorbed podcast host that I am, what is it like for you working outdoors with a cold? Is it better or, or worse?
1: I think that it's in a lot of ways better. I mean, when it's really cold and the air's really, really dry, I think that can actually affect your sinuses a lot more than people think more even I feel like than a cold. Um, I don't think you get maybe as sick as often if you're working outside because you're not in an office building surrounded by everybody else who's sick <laughs> and spreading germs around. I think there's a lot to be said for the, you know, the, the breeze helping you keep, keep well outdoors have uh, the old adage of you know if you're you know wet you know you don't want to stay in your wet clothes you want to get hot shower get dry yeah uh, but I think that's probably the case for everyone all the time.
0: So our topic today we want to talk all about windbreaks. And okay. this is a, a interesting subject for me because I do have some windbreaks on my property. Talk about first the advantages of a windbreak. Why are we even thinking about putting a windbreak up? So I think that um
1: Especially for winter, windbreaks can be very helpful. You will get some protection from the incoming, particularly if they're very cold, very gusty. Um, It'll help uh, insulate in a way um, your yard and the landscape around your home, so it's not like immediately as cold as if you're taking a sideline north wind uh, right at the side of the house. And should um, it could you know maybe help keep your heating bills a little lower, just so you know your house isn't dropping. Uh, between heat, you know, heat blasts so much. Uh, it could be also just, I think, even in the summer, it can make your property sometimes a little bit better. If you live in a very windy spot, you know, if you can't ever get the umbrella up in the backyard to have some shade for a picnic because the wind is just roaring through. So I think there's benefits to it, um, both, you know, particularly in the winter, but also in the other seasons as well.
0: In my research for today's show, I became very confused. <laughs> There's a lot of things out there listed that are that are choices for building a, a windbreak, planting a windbreak. But I don't know. I have no idea where to turn. What should I do if I'm thinking about this?
1: I would say it is a good idea to consult a local arborist. Um, Not only would they be familiar with species that are common and do well in your area, um, but also uh, for uh, the biggest thing to consider is sort of what zone you are in. Um, Then I'm sure you've talked about temperate zones, but the difference between uh, what can you you can plant up in the north and what you can plant in the south is very different, particularly when you're dealing with cold winds. Um, You know, that... While it might all grow just fine in nice weather, imagine the you know that horrible storm that just came through the Ohio, Pennsylvania. Well, actually quite a bit more than that. But my experience here over Christmas, that was Arctic blast, cold wind. And if you have plants that are really built for Georgia, uh, they'll get burned. And so you'll end up with brown plants instead of healthy, green-looking plants.
0: Well, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about that so in the East and Mid-Atlantic here, we had this incredible cold spell and storm. What have have you seen any results of that already, or is this something we'll see in the spring? You know, we had in where I'm at, we had a wind chill I think below minus twenty. Uh, yeah,
1: I think. Well, since it did warm, it was relatively short, and it did warm up pretty quick. I'm hoping that the damage isn't sustained, but it will be in the springtime. We'll see when things are supposed to be kind of greening up, starting to flush some new growth. If it really got toasted, we're going to see those windy sides be browner, less growth, um, and just not as healthy. It's In past seasons when we've had, usually it's more than just two days of right. snowy wind a lot of times a really the deep cold is is brought on with sunshine which can actually then you know really confuse the plants and i swear we see a lot more winter burn but um it's definitely something to keep an eye out and and if it does happen the best thing to do is get them have them, you know, good, healthy watering in the spring, good fertilization, and then just keep maybe a light shear on those dark, you know, those Brown sides just to knock that Brown off. See if you can't stimulate some new growth.
0: Well, back to windbreaks, certainly plant selection should be something I'm doing with my arborist. First thing that comes to mind for me in, in the, the North and the Northeast is the green giant. Uh, is yep. that something we use as a windbreak?
1: It is. Yeah. So, green giant arborvitae or the red cedar, um they're, they're kind of interchangeable and yeah, that's that's a very very common one primarily because they grow very quickly. They keep a pretty normal shape. They're easy to kind of hedge. They're easy to control. And they're also deer-resistant, I would say. Depends on how aggressive your deer
0: are. Let's, let's talk about that because it it always does get mentioned as deer-resistant. Uh, but arborvitaes in general, at least where I'm at in deer central, that's deer candy. But is that variety just a little – not as tasty for the most part? Correct, yeah. Um. The other
1: sort of varieties of, of arborvitae you're – emerald greens or, um, the kind of have a tighter looking shape, um, are more of a white variety and they are deer food, but the red variety, the the green giants, um, are, they hold up better. I can't say that they won't try to munch at the bottoms a little bit, but it's, they're not going to generally destroy the plant like they would with, um, you know, if it was a taxis or a ewe or a, an emerald green arborvitae.
0: Well, I'll tell you, they'll eat just about anything. Trust me. They'll eat things that are poisonous to them, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I've, I've had different answers when I've talked to people across the country about the green giant as far as its availability. Uh, there were, you know, I did get some people tell me they were having trouble getting big ones just due to COVID because everyone was buying them. They wanted yeah. their privacy. But then the last couple of times I've talked to arborists, they're like, "No, we can find them. They're they're coming back." How, how have you seen this uh, progress through last year? Yes,
1: it, they did seem to be coming more available. I think the stock got controlled a little better from nurseries. Um, I I will say this is a personal preference, and my recommendation is that do, I don't I don't think you need to put in fourteen foot arborvitae. Yeah. Um, I think it's a giant waste of money. If I'm just being honest, this is my recommendation to uh, customers is that why don't we put in good six foot tall ones with a healthy, you know, root structure on a neat de- uh, decent sized root ball or even a potted one variety and let them really take quick and grow because they will put on two feet of growth a year. So we don't need to rush it. You know, they'll, they'll get there pretty darn fast. And uh, blowing a whole bunch of money in maintenance and care and expense of uh, sourcing and planting gigantic trees can sometimes just make it a totally lose-lose proposition.
0: Okay, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm the customer. And I'm saying to you, I'm like, I want instant gratification with with 10 14-foot tall trees. Talk me out of it. (laughs) Well,
1: how much room do you got to put them in? You know, I don't ever recommend that well, we start with a, a solid wall of any kind of species, right? I mean, if you don't give these things room to grow, you'll end up they'll end up choking themselves out. And then you have a very sparse, spindly little wall of privacy and not a healthy big curtain that you're looking for. And things just take time. It's not, you're, you're, you're not painting, decorating a house. You, you, it's not like you're going to do it and it's done. You've got to let things really mature and grow. And I mean, sometimes you run the numbers too. (laughs) This is what it is. This is what it is. And how much is it worth to you? You know, sometimes the customer is going to their checkbook's right? But you know, the, the mate, make sure you put together a really good maintenance plan for them because they may need it.
0: Well, Eric and I also work together here in Pittsburgh on a local radio station and he knows how cheap I am. I'm starting (laughs) off I'm starting off with three foot trees, Eric. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what I would do. <laughs> How do I know where to put these trees?
1: Um, I mean, again, this might be something that is really best to talk to your arborist about at your specific site. Um, you don't want them in swampy water. Evergreen trees do not like it in, you know, so you don't want it at the bottom of the hill when, you know, or in, in a really area that just gets a lot of runoff or a lot of water. Uh and then you your spacing, like I said before, is gonna be the most important for your the outcome of the whole project in you know a couple of years and i depending upon how big you are starting and how big of a space you're covering, that you know five to ten foot between trees is probably what you want, if not even maybe a little more depending upon. If you're going with giant spruce trees, you know, you might want to give it even more. And that'd be a left to right spacing. But I think, and it depends on how much total room you have to put in your windbreak and how deep you can make it. But sometimes staggering in a second row behind will get you that sort of curtainy privacy left to right without having to put the trees so darn close together in one solid row.
0: That was my next question. Um, how often do you use that st- stagger system?
1: as, as often as I can, when that's the goal to try to put in a, and, and you have, I mean, the room, if you're dealing with a really small area, maybe you don't even technically really need a wind break is more so it's a privacy screen, but I think it, it same uh, thing applies. Um, but when you are, if you got a room and it's kind of like a field that I would definitely put in a row of at least two staggered um, on a, you know, zigzag pattern, and keeping them in between, you know, 10 to 15 feet apart on all
0: axes there. So let's first start with this. There are kind of a cold weather climate, maybe zone three, four, five, six, something like that. What are some of your suggestions? And I know, again, we repeat this over and over again, right tree, right place. But thinking in generalities of species, what else are you thinking about? So
1: we talked about the... Um, the green giant or the red cedars. Um, another one to consider are the Eastern white pines. Um, the other ones I'm a fan of are like white firs or Norway spruces. And the reason I'm kind of, I more go toward those are general maintenance of them um, and sort of in, known insect and disease problems. Typically they're a little bit easier to maintain and don't have a ton of known constant annoyances. The uh, one that kind of was more popular seems to definitely be going away are the Colorado blue spruces, particularly in our area. I think areas with high humidity in the summer, they just get so much disease problems and they never really look good. And you end up at the fungicides needed to keep them looking nice. is just a lot of work.
0: So how about some warmer climate trees? Is there anything else that comes to mind for you when we're thinking windbreak? Um, yeah, and you know I'll be totally upfront. I, you know I've mostly done this kind of
1: work up here in the Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania area. So um, I guess a little bit of research I saw was a Chinese juniper that's um, supposed to be quite deer resistant, and um, another one that's kind of more native to Oregon was a Port Orford cedar. So again, you're kind of in, and then the 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 red cedar also. Um, these are ones that seem to can handle um the much hotter drier climates i think and then they also but they really like again you got well, don't want to move them too far north
0: i'm telling you what those junipers i put some in in my son's uh place down in richmond virginia and man they're quick growing i i never use this term but almost deer proof <laughs> and they're beautiful
1: yeah I, um, I don't, I'll i say this, this is from kind of memories and, and they're here in, uh, in the Pittsburgh area, but Cryptomeria, um, I, I like the look of them. I think they have that softer touch. Um, I'm not totally familiar with the care and maintenance of them, but I do know that Pittsburgh, um, people had started to plant them. And a few years ago, we had that a polar vortex and the ones that weren't really, really well protected did get totally scorched. So I think that mid-Atlantic area on the, the east coast is about as high as you should really be going with those
0: so we're in the middle of a january thaw here in the east but you guys i'm assuming are done planting trees you couldn't plant trees now or could you oh sure yeah if you got them and and you can dig
1: a hole and get them in sure uh, there'd be really no problem with it um well i if- got them i can <laughs> dig a hole <laughs> there you go That's, Just- there's no reason why you can't i mean in some ways Right now the you know the trees itself is pretty dormant they're not really right. too active so you're not you know the the shock of planting shock probably won't be all that bad they'll be in they'll be adjusted as the ground starts to warm up in the spring they'll be ready to grow
0: I've got a of dogwood that's been sitting there for a couple of years in a 5 gallon pot <laughs> it's time to go in the ground if I can sneak it if I can sneak it in that would be great I think it's supposed to snow again this weekend,
1: so you better uh, feel better today and get out there.
0: I also have about 400 bulbs to plant yet, so. <laughs> How was your season this year? How would you uh, characterize your season this year? Very Weather. good.
1: Weather-wise, yeah, actually, we did, we've did we done pretty well. Um, here toward the end of the year, starting to get a little bit more wet. Um, the wet seems to be coming in big storms not like just constant dreariness um but we're not getting a lot of sun it's been very very gray uh so we we keep working you know other than the the christmas uh storm we've been able to keep busy and keep working
0: it's been very, very gray. Welcome to Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And I'm from the Northeast Ohio-Cleveland area. We said the same thing growing up, too. Just don't expect to see the sun till May, maybe.
0: I grew up in the same area. And and boy, I'll tell you, people don't know what snow's like unless you, you live next to the lake. Yeah. Before I let you go, I talk to arborists about this all the time, about how they build these relationships with their customers. And I have, you know... From another Davy office here in Pittsburgh, I I have my, who I call my arborist, even though he's an arborist for so many people, he just saves the day for me in so many ways. Talk a little bit about that feeling of being able to go to a property, assess what's happening, and hopefully tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. That's, for me, has always
1: been the greatest part of um, doing uh, sales arborists and uh, you know, here as the district manager, um, I've that part of being able to go out and diagnose the problem, provide solutions, and then actually seeing it work and uh, over a little bit of time for me has always been the most rewarding. Uh, I this is might be very personal to me. I did want to be a doctor for most of my high school and college career, and then realize wow, you'll never see the sun again. Uh, and, uh, and I kind of became a tree doctor, quote unquote, instead. Uh, so that part is fulfilling for me. I think um, in terms of relationship with your customers or even being, like you said, you yourself as a Davy customer, I think this is the great time of the year to be talking, getting up, seeing people, knocking on doors, saying hello, uh, checking things over. I think we have an, an expert enough eye that right now we can go out and do good lookarounds of people's property in the dormancy period and really get people prepared and set up for a successful beginning of the year because it's a lot easier to have a plan to tackle issues now and then do them on time than to get the call in June and July going, oh no, everything looks terrible and now we're resurrecting the dead. Um so, you know, we've talked in the past to proper mulching and proper uh, bed maintenance goes a long way to keeping your trees healthy and looking good. And now's a great time to get all that plant because when you get busy in April and May and June, it's very easy to to miss on that good maintenance for people. And I think we we as arborists can provide a lot of help to our homeowners and even our, and you know, I handle at this point now a lot more commercial customers so universities city governments that sort of thing and this is when budgets are getting re put together so they want plans and knowing what they're looking at so you can help them get those numbers put together can also yeah just really make a big difference in people's budgets and you'll get a lot more for your your buck
0: well great advice except now i gotta go plant a tree but uh, (laughs) i guess that's a good thing though right yeah sure i'll get you outside you get some blood flowing (laughs) Thanks again, Eric. Always great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon.
1: All right, you too, Doug. Thanks.
0: Well, I think Eric's right. I should get out there, get some fresh air, get that tree in the ground before the ground freezes solid again. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees Podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a big favor. Subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. And if you've got an idea for the show or some feedback, send us an email at podcasts, that's plural, at Davy.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at D-A-V-E-Y.com. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees Podcast, trees are the answer, even for a cold.